Hello, welcome to the Patient Activation Network podcast. I'm your host, Matt Cavallo. I have with me today, Laura Blackwell. Good afternoon, Matt. Good afternoon, Laura. Welcome back to the show. Thank you so much. It's such a pleasure to be here with you again. Now, it's been about a, a year since we last spoke. And yes, it I has. Just, I just wanted to check in and, and see how you're doing. Well, Matt, I'm doing great. Thank you for asking. You know, since we were in Baltimore, I've had uh, many fantastic opportunities that have come about um, in my life. Uh, one of those is the fact that I am now running for school board in my local county in North Carolina of Cabarrus. Wow, so that's a that's a lot to take in. That's a big change. What what prompted you to run for the school board? Well, obviously, from my last podcast, I think um, your audience knows that I have quite a passion for making sure that we encourage the voice to be heard of the patient. Um, as I was a and am currently a patient, this year actually is my ten year survivorship as of October twenty second. Um, and so at this point, um, I have moved kind of into the passion of being the voice of my children who are currently enrolled in the school system um, for the school board that I'm running for. And I will be the only mother of children that are currently enrolled um, in that school system. So it will be a similar kind of capacity of bringing the voice of parents and making sure that we put the patient or the, the, the children first, much like I want to be the voice of a patient um, in the healthcare industry and making sure that we put the patients first. Now, and for those that are just hearing your message for the first time, just really quickly, because you have one of the best stories, not only, not only is it a great story in that you, you are surviving and thriving, but you went from the bedside to the hospital to improve patient care. Could you just give a high level of what that was? I sure will. So in 2008, I was diagnosed with uh, triple negative breast cancer um, with a two-month-old and a three-year-old at the time. So um, did underwent a double mastectomy and six months of chemotherapy. Um, after that was uh, that part of my journey was over, I knew that the way that I needed to serve was to then become employed at Levine Cancer Institute and um, be an advocate and a voice for the patients. And it was about at that time that Levine was looking to uh, kind of partner with Plaintree, um, which is a proponent of making sure that the, the patient voice is heard. Um, and so it just, it, it all worked out together so well. It fits so nicely with what I knew that my passion was and what my purpose was that, um, you know, here we are seven years later into my employment and, you know, here it's, we were designated in December of 2016 um, and we're continuing on with this plane tree journey. And um, it's just, it's so fantastic. Not everybody gets to live out their, their dreams and their passions in life. And I get to do that. And I feel like I'm able to also do that by throwing my hat into the political arena, by being able to be a voice, like I said, for parents and for students and really having a, a, a true and relevant voice that I think is currently missing in some capacity on our school board. Um, we have great people that are on the board, but they just, they unfortunately don't have that 
that true to life current view of what is going on with with the kids and with the parents and the issues that they face right now. Well, and I know you and I know your drive and uh, the differences that you've made um, as a patient advocate working in the hospital. I also know that when you go through a significant health event like you did with cancer, that it really makes you appreciate um, being a parent more and getting more involved in your life. How are you going to take that experience and change the school board in the same way that you've uh, approached healthcare? Well, I think it's all about collaboration. Um, you know, being, being um, the facilitator of our patient family advisory council um, and bringing those voices of the care partners, the caregivers, um, the patients, the administration, the doctors, the nurses, bringing all of those voices to the table so that you can get every perspective before you make a, a decision, whether it be to, you know, build another hospital or, you know, change your clinic or, you know, things like that. You've got to get all of the voices so that you make sure that you are making the right decision for what the patients actually want. I think it's the same thing within the schools. I mean, we've, we've got a rapidly growing county. Um, we are already very behind as far as building of schools. Um, but I will give you a, a perfect example. We are just now building another high school after 10 years. The last high school we built was 10 years ago that is already at or over capacity. Um, we're building a new high school now. However, the high school that they're building is $320 a square foot, where the North Carolina average is about $174 a square foot. The, the thing about it is, are we utilizing the, the taxpayer money, the funds that we have to the best capacity for the children? It's not about what the building looks like on the outside. It's what you're providing on the inside. It's about the culture of education on the inside and what the children are going to be learning and taking away from them when they leave that high school building. So those are the things that I want to make sure that we are bringing to the forefront, putting the children's education first, not whether or not you have a, a beautiful LED-lighted gym floor or a huge stadium or six tennis courts. That, that's not the ultimate goal. The ultimate goal is to make sure that we have provided these children with the best education possible so that when they leave Cabarrus County and go out into the world, they are prepared and ready to be productive members of society. So why now? Why this, why this sudden flame to, to make a change and make a difference in, in the school system? Well, it's because I've got, you know, a 14-year-old almost 14, and a 10-year-old. And so I know that it's coming quickly that my children are not going to be in elementary school, middle school, and high school anymore. They're going to be going out into the world. And I want to make sure that, that we have done the best job that we can to prepare them, but not just my children, all of the children in our county. And there's so much emphasis on, on so many things in education that I think we're starting to realize need to have more emphasis on them, like trade and having children that go into technical institute rather than necessarily a four-year college degree. College is not for everyone. 
And I think for so many years, we put so much emphasis on that to our high school students. But we need folks who come out of school and going into the workforce that want to be welders and builders and, you know, folks that are ready to hit the ground running and jump into the economic growth of this country. And it's being a proponent for those and bringing those educational opportunities into our current school system in high school so that when they do graduate and they're able to go to these technical institutes and be prepared to earn a living and a great living at that. You don't have to have a four-year degree in order to be productive and earn a great living and have a family and, and feel like you have been an accomplished you know, person in your life. We were talking offline about the similarities between healthcare and the school system. Is there any of those lessons that you've learned working in healthcare that you think you can bring to the school system? Sure. I think it's about um, transparency. Transparency with um, in healthcare with your patient. Transparency with the parents. Transparency with the community. Um, and, and communication. It's just being able to um, express your ideas and making sure that you do it so that everybody understands what your plan is. I think so often we assume that people understand what you're saying. In healthcare, it's the same way. We use jargon and verbiage that we think that the patient is going to understand because we're so used to that every single day. We just, we spout it out and we say it all day long. But that patient, that's their first time there. They don't, they don't know what we're talking about. So we have to put it in their terms. Same thing with, with education and, and the education system. We need to make sure that, you know, the school administration and the school board is speaking to parents on their terms, to students on their terms, so that they understand what is expected of them. Um, And so, you know, I hope that I can bring just making sure that we kind of close those gaps with, with the parents and school administration and making sure that we're transparent with our base. You know, I, I even talk to people all the time, voters, who, who say, you know, I, I really haven't even thought about school board because I haven't had children in the school system for 20 years. And my response to that is you pay taxes, don't you? 51% of your tax money goes to the education and to the schools. So it's important who you're electing onto the school board, whether or not you have children in the school system or not, because I am the one who's deciding where to put a school, how much to spend on a school, so if I'm spending 54% over the state average on a high school, you probably need to know that. That's important to you because that's your money, and I'm deciding how to spend it. When you're elected in November, what can people expect from you that are in your district? So I think that, again, it goes back to the transparency and communication. Folks can expect me to collaborate with our current local uh, government being um, city council, being the county commissioners, being our local sheriff's department. Um, One of the things that I know that our community is very concerned about, as well as communities throughout the country, is safety of the schools, Um, the safety of our children. There's always, you know, this this back and forth, what should we do in order to make sure that our schools are safe without making them feel like a prison? Um, And so I've collaborated a lot with our sheriff's department to talk about how we want to do the safety 
the school safety task force doing an independent study of each of the schools to determine how many school resource officers they actually need. We're very lucky in Cabarrus County because we do have one school resource officer per school. However, the population of students varies widely. So you've got one high school that has 1,600 children and another high school that has seven or 800. So one school resource officer may not be enough for a 1,600 student school population. So it's doing an independent study with the sheriff's department, with administration, with parents, with teachers to determine how many SROs we need per location. And again, it's going to also be um, making sure that we are fiscally responsible with the money that we spend, that our taxpayers have entrusted us to do wisely. When you have a high school that's 140% over capacity, 140% over capacity, 35 trailers outside of that school. That's A, not a safe environment for the children because there's no way to put that on lockdown if there was an incident that happened. But then you're spending, you know, 54% over the state average on another high school that has also been delayed another year. I don't feel like we're doing the best that we can do. We are a great county. We have a great school system. We have amazing teachers, amazing parents. And I think we all have the, the vision and the, the passion to want to do better. It's just making sure that we are doing better. And that's what I will bring to the school board. I, I want to make sure that we are holding the folks accountable for our money, for our education, the things that we're bringing in for children like technical school, trade school, and those kinds of things, just to make sure that we are putting the students first. That's what, that's what it's all about, is making sure that we are, we are doing that in the best interest of the students. So Laura, if people want to learn more about you and your platform, where can, where can they go to find out? So if you are interested in looking at um, my campaign page, it's www.blackwellforschoolboard.com. Um, I'm also on Facebook and Twitter at Blackwell for School Board. And um, like I said, I just, this is such a correlation between these two. And I feel like I am going to be the best person for the job that we need to do right now for the students and for Cabarrus County Schools. We need to have a parent, a mother voice in order to make sure that we are are, are doing the best that we can for our children because I do have a vested interest in making sure that my kids and your kids get the best education possible. As a voter and, and somebody who's been following your story for a long time, I, I just admire and respect your perseverance. You're truly a, a survivor and an inspiration to us all, and we wish you continued success, and, and we hope that uh, you get elected to the school board in November. Thank you, Matt. I am so grateful to be able to be a part of this with you. Um, I also have the same admiration for you and your story. Um, so I, I hope that maybe next year I can come back with even you know better news being 
currently on the school board for at that point a year and might be able to tell you all of the amazing stuff that we've been able to accomplish. She's Laura Blackwell. I'm Matt Cavallo. This has been the Patient Activation Network podcast. We look forward to bringing you another inspirational story soon.